Hey, I'm Joel, and you're tuned in to the Curiosity in Rising podcast, where I'll be shining a light on spiritual health based in our society today. To be curious is to rise above what you already understand, which is why this podcast series will explore many different concepts and beliefs surrounding lifestyle and spiritual culture. We'll challenge and dive deep, learning how spiritual truths come in many different forms for each individual person. So join me in my quest to inform, understand, and sometimes even disagree. You're tuned into Curiosity in Rising with your host, Joel Rainbow. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Curiosity in Rising. I hope that you're doing well, and I hope that you're excited for today's episode. As of late, especially in this season, we've definitely been diving into some rather niche topics, such as last episode, we jumped into the concept of sunning, and that was very fun and also a little bit funny. Um, Of course, we didn't mean any disrespect to any of you all who participate I really really want to try it and I will let you know when I do Um, but for now we're kind of just easing off on that and we're going to just dive into numerology today. Numerology is a very relevant concept to spiritual people and to spirituality across all sorts of mediums. The significance of numbers has followed a lot of cultures and religions and helped them build meaning for things like the supernatural, good luck, bad luck, and other concepts such as your life path number and your birthday. And things like that are quite valued by all sorts of different spiritual people. So I really want to dive into that and share a little bit of education around that. I also have another activity for that for later on. And then If you've been keeping up with the Instagram stories, I know I say this a lot, but it is very relevant and I would love for you guys to definitely keep up with the Instagram and check it out if you haven't already. If you did see yesterday's story, you would have known that I am planning in this episode to speak on the Gwyneth Paltrow controversy and her recent podcast appearance where she kind of got a lot of backlash over her sharing her diet and her day-to-day health and wellness routine. All right, so got a little bit to get started on today. Without further ado, let's begin. All right, you guys. So numerology is dealing with the spiritual meaning of numbers and their relationship with human affairs. I'm sure many of the people in my generation have heard the spiritual girlies talking about angel numbers, and that is a category or rather like a concept that is actually derived from numerology. For example... Some of the most powerful numbers in spirituality are 11, 22, and 33, and they're kind of respected as the master numbers, commanding an extra strength presence in the cosmos. People with these super digits in their birth charts are often raised to be high decibel movers and shakers, or spiritual leaders, or community influencers. So, if you are looking at your birth chart or birthday, the numbers that you come across in there can often well, I believe to determine lots of characteristics and also hold a view into your future for you to take, obviously, at your own will. But I just want to dive in and show you guys some of the research I found. So just doing a little bit of looking online for in preparation for this episode, I found out that many religions believe in numerology and the idea of a sacred number from Hinduism to Christianity, Islam, Judaism, 
in many sacred texts, there is reference or mention of these numbers and the common theme in religion and specific numbers seem to hold a deeper meaning. So we're going to get into that now. When Buddha was born, he walked seven steps. In the Jewish, in the Jewish tradition, we have the seven-candled menorah. In the Catholic religion, there are seven sacraments and seven deadly sins and seven virtues. In Hinduism, there are seven teachers. In Muslim traditions, there are seven heavens and seven hells. So already, if you're catching my drift, seven is said to be an incredibly sacred and relevant number in numerology. There are a few reasons why seven is held to such a, I guess, on on such a high pedestal. Um, you have to remember that these ancient civilizations worshipped the heavens, and early numerology actually stems from practices such as stargazing, mapping, traveling over the oceans. So seven, I mean, also just remember there are seven seas. So seven has always been seen as this mystical point in numerology. People with a strong seven in their numerological chart are said to be interested in truth-seeking and mystery and, you know, getting into the nitty-gritty of things, looking a little bit deeper than perhaps a common person would. Also, there is a series of seven stars called the Pleiades, and they were used to help people track where they were in boats in ancient times. They were held sacred as way showers. And some of these numbers are said to have certain properties, certain a certain energy, if you will. As well as looking into your birthday and determining things like your life path number, which we're going to do a little bit of practice on coming up, you may see a particular set of numbers begins to appear or occur in your life. And then if you look into that, like for example, as I said earlier, a lot of people my age know about angel numbers and, oh my God, it's 1111, make a wish. Oh my God, it's 222, what does that mean? Oh my God, it's 444. I know so many of my friends have angel number tattoos and point out when the time on their phone says an angel number, like, oh, it's 444. So... This really stems from numerology and the regard that ancient civilizations had for numbers. Another modern element and aspect of numerology that I love is the... It actually fits in with the simulation theory. And we haven't really gotten into the simulation theory on Curiosity and Rising yet, though it is something I would definitely endeavor to dive into in future. But just for a little bit of context... If you're unaware of the simulation theory, it is that, in a nutshell, it is that we as humans will most definitely or most likely create simulations in the future for all sorts of tests, all sorts of games, whatever. We will probably have sentient, you know, like simulations with consciousness occurring inside of digital simulations. And the likelihood of that happening is near 100%. So who's to then say that we are actually in the original universe? We could be just as easily in a simulation ourselves, if that makes sense. I know I didn't explain that amazingly, but yeah, as I said, maybe we'll just leave that as a little teaser for future simulation episode. 
However, yeah, if you think about that, it is possible that we are living in a universe entirely coded by numbers, whether that be digital, whether that be a spiritual or religious perspective you take away from that or more of a scientific one. I'm sure we're all familiar with the film The Matrix and if you're not, I definitely recommend. But just on the website I'm looking at now, it says your matrix depends on how how much work you have done on yourself and how much time you have spent questioning your beliefs in life. So many spiritual people today are believers in this sort of simulation theory to some extent in some form or another and knowing the numbers that are occurring in your life knowing the number that you were born under born into your life path number is very relevant for some people and helps them navigate their lives it's almost like i guess you could consider it like if this is a simulation it's like your little cheat code so I'm now going to look into my life path number and some of my numerology that occurs in my life and see what that means for me. Some of you guys may be believers in reincarnation and karma or just open to the fact that we could be sent down in this life form on earth as some sort of lesson, some sort of teaching, and it's some sort of temporary learning experience. I've definitely thought of that before and definitely believed in that before. So in respect to that, numerology kind of complements that saying there could be this preordained pathway for us to, you know, it's like given to us at birth, this numerical pattern. And there are certain lessons given to you at birth, not as punishments per se, but as opportunities to grow, to fix maybe what you didn't learn in your previous life experience and it's through those challenges in life that something happens and evolves and that's your spirit and your character so my life path number is going to be calculated through astralcoach.com not sponsored just one of the first websites that comes up when you type in life path calculator so here we go All right, so you start off by adding the numerical month plus the numerical day plus year in which you were born. So let's say you were born on the 27th of October, 1990. You would add the numbers of the day of your birth together, 2 plus 7 equaling 9. Then you add the double digit 10 together. 10 is obviously the month of October, so 1 plus 0 equals 1. Finally, we do the year, 1990. 1 plus 9 plus 9 plus 0 equals 19. Now, as this is a double number, we're going to break it down even further. So 1 plus 9 equals 10. And again, we can break that down by adding 1 plus 0 to get the single number 1. Now, okay, and please bear with me because I know this is a little bit tricky and confusing. So (laughs) please feel free to replay or do your own research. But now we add up all of the main numbers. 9, which is the birth date plus one, which is the birth month, plus one, which is the birth year. We now have 11. We deduce this number further by adding digits together. One plus one equals two. So finally, you've arrived at your life path number after a very confusing process. Um, But yeah, your life path number would be two. And two 
life path number people are considered builders and manifestors and active people who go after what they want and create what they want. And I am personally a number two because I was born in the month seven. My birthday is the 26th and my birth year is 2003. So adding them all together is seven plus eight plus five. And then that equals 20. 20 plus zero is two. So my life path number is two. So your life path number has to be a single digit, which means it would range between one to nine. And I'll quickly go through what each of these mean. Number one is considered to be the independent leader. Number two is the peacekeeper. Number three is the communicator. Number four is the builder. Number five is the traveler. Number six is the nurturer. Number seven is the seeker. Number eight is the powerhouse. And number nine is the humanitarian. So to make the most of your life path number, you would obviously first calculate what yours is and then understanding the significance of your life path number helps to shed light on certain areas in your life. Doing a little bit of research yourself is definitely worthwhile and is considered to have effects on your home and family as well as your career and romantic relationships. Numerology can be used for many things, but its most common application is to help you with your self-awareness and understanding and covering personal truths and personal and professional interests. And then also you can evaluate things like relationship compatibility and career advice for you. Obviously, we're only just scratching the surface and I'd love to dive deeper into numerology in a later episode. But for now, let me know your life path number and if you think it resonates with your personality and your desires. If someone is receiving a series of numbers, they are believed to be downloading pieces of information from the collective unconscious. And I'm just reading this off of the Goop website and this is quite relevant to today's hot topic, which I'm about to get into because obviously Goop was founded by Gwyneth Paltrow. And if you've seen anything on Gwyneth Paltrow in the media recently, you've probably heard of this backlash and controversy after she revealed she was asked on a podcast what her diet was what she eats in a day and people were quite furious and then I also put up a poll on Curiosity and Rising's Instagram and because obviously I wanted to see what you guys thought and the results were like 50% of you guys hadn't heard about it so couldn't really say much and then I think it was like between thinking what she did was wrong and thinking what she did was fine. Um, it was definitely more of you guys thought what she did was wrong and then a couple of you guys didn't really see any problem with it. Um, I'll have to get the exact numbers up. Maybe when this episode comes out, I'll just correct the numbers and post the end results on my story. But that seemed to be the consensus last time I looked at it and it has been 24 hours. So yeah, that survey would be complete. Okay, so... What did I think and what did you guys think and why did the world think what the world thought? Okay, so to catch you guys up to speed and give a little context, Gwyneth appeared on the Art of Being Well podcast. This is a podcast run by allegedly her doctor and she was a guest making an appearance. He asked her what she eats in a day and she proceeded to say the following. What's your wellness routine look like now? I eat dinner early in the evening. I do a nice intermittent fast. I usually eat something about... 12. Mm -hmm. um, and in the morning, I'll have some things that won't 
spike my blood sugar, right? So I, I have coffee, but I really like soup for lunch. Um, I have bone broth for lunch a lot of the days. Try to do one hour of movement. So I'll either take a walk or I'll do Pilates or I'll do my Tracy Anderson. And then I get in the sauna. I dry brush and I get in the sauna. So I do my infrared sauna for 30 minutes. And then for dinner, I try to eat, you know, according to paleo. So lots of vegetables. It's really important for me to support my detox. Okay, so this is very weighted and there's a lot of layers to this. And I want to start out by pointing out that Dr. Will Cole, when you search on Google, is Dr. Will Cole a real doctor? His portfolio comes up, which says he's a functional medicine practitioner and a doctor of natural medicine and a doctor of chiropractic. He received his doctorate from Southern California University of Health Sciences and his postdoctorate education and training is in functional medicine and clinical nutrition. So... You know, this isn't the GP that you're used to seeing in Australia. And obviously, he sounds like he's practicing in a much more like contemporary field than most doctors. Not to say that's right or wrong, um, but just I think context is obviously important. And then I also searched up if he is like Gwyneth Paltrow's regular doctor. And it says that he has acts as a health advisor to Gwyneth. And he's a frequent Goop contributor, and Goop is a health and wellness website brand. Um, And he's a best-selling author and functional medicine practitioner. He's dedicated his career to teaching people to tune into the needs of their bodies and better health, which I find funny because if you tune into your body's needs and just like listen to your body, most people and I think the natural way of existing would be to eat when you're hungry and not eat when you're full. Um, So the intermittent fasting is pretty interesting. Um, reading the comments of the original TikTok that really like, you know, took off and went viral about a week ago was, I'll just read you out some of the following. Bone broth is fantastic, but it is not a meal. Wealth. I have wealth. Her quote unquote unwellness routine. Detoxing from what? Dear God. Coffee on an empty stomach is no bueno, y'all. This is a roundabout way of saying she's on a liquid diet, basically. And then it just exploded on Twitter. I mean, I think it was, yeah, about a week ago that I first saw it on my Twitter page. And the reactions were really negative, really telling Gwyneth that she was in the wrong for that. And obviously it was pretty problematic. And I think Gwyneth has definitely like unconsciously fueled a lot of ED Twitter and justified a lot of ED culture in this statement. However, when I did first see her, I was a bit frustrated and I thought, why is everyone so on her dick about what she wants to eat? And I had to really think about that and think, okay, well, Gwyneth was on a public platform, um, a popular podcast, and Gwyneth is a celebrity with a health and wellness website. Even if just one person listens to this and thinks, okay, that's normal, that's good, and follows that, we have a problem. But I also am a a big advocate in like, freedom of choice and letting people do what they want to do and I have often thought Gwyneth is a very inspiring woman and I do like a lot of the work she's done I watched her goop series on Netflix and it really opened my mind to a lot of things and was interesting to me spiritually and also looked into a lot of cultural wellness things which I hadn't heard about before and I found her to be a really curious and open-minded respectful person and of course that still may be true even if she is 
um, participating in this like extremely problematic diet. I didn't like the whole bone broth backlash and how everyone was so against her, you know, saying she's eating skin and bones. And I think that came from a lot of probably plant-based people and vegan people who would definitely not endorse bone broth as a concept at all. But as someone who's like, I, my dad eats a lot of bone broth and like my mom will put it into some of our meals. And I, I do find it like a disgusting thing when you think about what it is and where it comes from. But the benefits of bone broth and like what it can do for you are so beneficial. So I just didn't like that everyone, like that was one of the big takeaways that everyone took away from it. I had more of a problem with the fasting and the the hour of movement after barely eating anything. I mean, obviously she's just trying to keep weight off, um, which isn't what health should always be about. Gwyneth then took to Instagram stories and had a question box up on her story that obviously a lot of people took advantage of and asked her about the recent backlash. Someone said, how does she feel about the backlash? And she responded, this was a transparent look at a conversation between me and my doctor. It's not really meant to be advice for anybody else. It's really just what has worked for me and it's not been very powerful and very positive. This is not to say that I eat this way all day, every day. And that's fine. That's great context that probably should have been given before or after the actual podcast clip that got posted around social media and caused everyone to go into frenzy. Yeah, if she's not eating like that every day, cool. Um, She says it's not meant to be advice for anybody else. Great. Um, However, that's not how it initially came across and that's not the... Unfortunately, that's not the message that people took away from it, whether that was her intention or not. But yeah, again, I, I don't have a... Like, if that's her diet... That's what's worked for her. Like, yeah, she looks great. Cool. I don't have a problem with that, but it's just more the problems that could happen if if she's actually advocating for that for random everyday people and her fans and followers who will be influenced, especially young people and young girls. I want to make it clear that I don't believe there is a circumstance where such a low-calorie diet is a good idea. I don't think that's necessary. Um... And that's just me. I think the whole concept of asking someone what they eat in a day and celebrities coming out and saying that and social media influencers and just anyone is very strange to me. I don't care what other people eat in a day. That's me personally. And there are people who will be influenced by that. And I think it's a really big problem that's been occurring online for a number of years. I find it odd that we care and look up to other people's diets as sources of you know, to mimic that and thinking that results that they have will be the results you have. It's so crazy and unintelligent. Everyone's body is different. We all have different needs. And I would not personally want to tell you guys what I eat in a day. Like I eat pretty good. I'd consider what I eat pretty good, but I would never ever come on here and say what I eat because it's it's my personal business. And I, I don't think what what works for me would work for other people either so yeah strange times and um a strange little Gwyneth Paltrow backlash that we got to witness and I think it goes without saying well it should go without saying but I'm going to say it anyway if anyone here is interested in trying to fix their diet please consult an actual professional dietitian or doctor do not go and look at people on TikTok and Instagram and your favorite celebrity's diet, thinking that will help you. 
I'm all for health and wellness, and I'm very interested in learning more about it this year, and specifically in this season of Curiosity and Rising. But I just, yeah, would hope that everyone listening and most people I know and my friends and family would know to improve their diet in a much more appropriate way than listening to people like, say, Gwyneth Paltrow. However, we do live in a very impressionable world, so I guess, yeah, even if someone is asked on a podcast what they eat in a day, it's considered advocating for that, which I'm not disagreeing with. I'm just saying that's the world we're in today. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode on numerology and then looking into diet culture and Gwyneth Paltrow's recent backlash. If you have any questions or comments, of course, please get them into the contact box at joelrainbow.com and follow along on Instagram at Pod. I'll see you guys in the next episode. I hope you have an amazing week. Goodbye. <laughs>